Please be seated. Okay, we're on the record on case CR 22-21-1624, State of Idaho versus Lori Noreen Vallow. The state's here present. The defense as well as the defendant are all in attendance and the state's continuing with presentation of its case in chief. We left off with a witness on the stand uh, yesterday, Ms. Williams. Is the state ready to proceed with continued direct examination, Ms. Blake? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, is the defense ready to proceed this morning? Yes. Okay, let's go ahead and have our jurors brought in, please, Mr. Bailiff.
All right, thank you, Mr. Bailiff. Please be seated. All right, the court will note the jurors are all present and accounted for. I believe they've all signed the juror affirmation today. Is that correct, Mr. Bailiff? Yes, sir. All right, thank you again for your continued service. The state was. Uh, in the case in chief with the witness on the stand, Ms. Williams, who can be recalled this morning for further uh, examination on direct, Ms. Blake. Before we start quickly, one quick housekeeping matter. When we had uh, an exhibit yesterday, it was relating to the Apollo mapping. It was We had exhibit 142 and 142A, and just for the record to be clear, there was a um, I guess call it a provisional objection on 142A, which was the demonstration of the maps. Those were then published without further objection. So the court will note in the record that Exhibit 142A, in fact, has been admitted in the case. That's correct, Your Honor. We'll withdraw any objection. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Archibald. So uh, with that in mind, then, if you'd like to call your witness, you may. Thank you, Your Honor. The state will recall Samantha Gwilliam to okay. the stand. Uh, she can just take the stand without being resworn. Thank you. And, Your Honor, I was going to ask if I could be handed State's Exhibit 298. All right. It was previously admitted, and I would ask permission to publish it to the jury again. You may. I'll just remind uh, the witness, Ms. William, you are still under oath for purposes of your testimony today. Thank you. You're welcome. Ms. William, yesterday we were talking about your sister, Tammy. And this is, in fact, a photo of Tammy, correct? Yes, it is. And I just want to remind the jury, um, you and Tammy are the only two girls in your family. Correct. And prior to her moving to Idaho, you two lived very close. Yes. And you saw each other daily. Every day. We talked a little bit about what Tammy was doing right before she moved up to Idaho as far as employment. Do you know when she moved to Idaho if she was employed? Um, they moved at the end of the school year, so it was like June, right after school got out. Did she end up finding employment later? Uh, they, they did that uh, next school year. She found employment at another school. So she continued to work in the school system? Yes, she loved uh, working with students. Do you know, did she also continue to work with computers? Yes. 
Um, in fact, uh, she helped one of the schools she was at get a whole new computer lab because uh, they didn't have the equipment that they needed. And, um, you know, it was a big deal. So. And I, I know we talked about how you found out about her passing. Yes. And we talked a little bit about her coming to visit in October. Yes. And you said on that visit, she seemed healthy to you? Uh, yes, she did. Uh, Tammy had been sick a few years prior, uh, to, you know, to this happening where she'd had a bout of depression. Um, and, you know, as we do with any family, I always do visual checks on, you know, your loved ones. Uh, when you see them later to see how, how are you doing, you look at them and see, and Tammy looked very healthy and was doing very well. So I, you know, it was, it was just one of those visual things that you do when you see your loved ones and she did not look sick at all. And when she'd been sick before, had she talked to you about it? Um, yes. And on this visit, did she indicate anything about not feeling well? No. And I think you said it was actually the contrary. She was telling you about different activities. Yeah, different activities. She just had a wrist issue, like her wrist was bothering her. That was the only thing that she brought up. And you found out the morning of her death. Yes. Was that October 19th of 2019? Yes, it was. When was her funeral? It was the following Tuesday. It was really quick. And... Did that seem odd to you how quick the funeral was? Yes, it did. Did you have any discussions with Chad about that? Yes, we. I asked him uh, on a phone call of why we were, you know, doing things so quickly, and he told me that that he thought that's what Tammy would have wanted was to not have all the fuss. Uh, I also asked him why he was burying her in Springville instead of Rexburg. Uh, because his, her, their kids are in Rexburg. He is in Rexburg. I mean, it's his spouse. I'm, you know, I'm a sister. We're close. I like having her down there with me, but I'm not her, you know, her husband or the, or their mom. And he said that he thought that it would be better if she was down there because it was cold in Rexburg and under ice and snow all year and they wouldn't get to visit her as much. Were some family members unable to attend because the funeral was so quick? Yes. Uh, several of his side of the family and some other of our family were unable to to come because they were out of state or out of the country. <laughs> Did that include a son of Chad and Tammy's? Yes. Their son was on a mission in Africa. And we'd also talked about... Uh, the summer prior to Tammy's passing that you'd noticed a difference in Chad. Correct. He seemed more distant and less wanting to talk to us about things. And we just didn't know if it was because they were living farther away or he just, we didn't know what was going on. It was really different. At some point, did you learn that Chad had been remarried? Uh, yes, we learned uh, it was actually uh, one, th one month to the day of her burial is when I found out about it. 
Did you later learn when he had actually gotten married? Uh, yeah, because I told my husband to find out because Chad was still speaking, you know, he was talking to my husband at that point, and I said, you find out when he actually got married because I feel like that's very quick, even for somebody who's grieving. And, like, there's, you don't get married four weeks after you just buried your wife of almost 30 years. You just don't do that. And we found out it had only been two weeks after she had been buried, and we were devastated. At some point, did Chad indicate or did you learn the name of his new wife? Yeah, he told us her name was Lori Ryan and that her previous husband had a heart attack. And so she had been grieving a spouse as well, and that's why they connected, was that they were both grieving the passing of spouses. And did you end up learning another name associated with Lori Ryan? I did. I, as any good sister did, I went to the Internet to go see who this woman was. And the... And I'll object, Your Honor, to anything quoted from the Internet. And, Your Honor, I'm not asking her to quote. I'm simply asking what she learned, and not for the truth of the matter, but as to why she did what she did next. I'll overrule the objection. Um, I discovered her the, her name was tied to Vallow, and it brought up newspaper articles about a man in Arizona who had been shot in his own home by a brother-in-law. And I took that to my husband, and I said, I think this is the same woman that he's married. Uh, he did not die from a heart attack. And did you... And based on that, did you end up having a conversation with Chad at some point? Uh, we've ha had multiple conversations with Chad. Eventually, the last conversation that I've ever had with Chad was in December, um, was when we asked him to stop lying about what was going on because there was just so much information that had come to us from the police as well. And it was based on the information you'd learned from your search of the Internet and that the police had told you that led you to believe he was lying? Yes, because I had seen, you know, as I looked up Lori Vallow's name at that point, I had seen that they had listed, uh, I'd actually seen an obituary for Charles where Kay Woodcock had commented that we will take good care of J.J. And I didn't know who J.J. was. Uh, there was mention of another daughter, but it didn't say her name. And I thought, there's kids involved, and I didn't know anything about who they were. So I'm just going to renew my objection. I don't know where we're getting this information from. Well, I will sustain that. It seems to be coming probably from a hearsay source at this point, Ms. Blake. After learning that information, did you ask Chad about whether or not Lori had children? Yes, I did. I asked, I asked him in a phone call, I said, so please tell me about this woman that you've married to replace my sister with. And he told me that she had had a hard life and that the reason why they hadn't told me her name was because she was trying to, you know, stay away from the stigma of what had happened to her. And I said, well, so please help me understand so now that you've married her, are, you, are there children? 
because I had seen the other information and I said, are you going to be raising kids together? You know, Mark will be coming home from his mission. And he told me, no, that there's no children and that they were going to be empty nesters. Just one moment. I don't have any additional questions at this time, Your Honor. All right. Thank you, Ms. Blake. Uh, Cross-examination. The witness could be handed Defendant's Exhibit C. Ms. Is it William? Yes. Uh, you've been handed what's been marked as Exhibit C. Uh, do you recognize that document? Yes, I do. And what is it? It's my sister's obituary. Uh, do you know who wrote that? Um, I wrote it uh, along with some of my family members. And it, uh, who contributed to the obituary? Um, I know that Chad had given us some information, but myself and my parents had put it together. And is this exhibit a true and accurate copy of, of her obituary? Um, from what I can see, yes. Your Honor, I'd move to admit, admit exhibit C. Any objection? No objection, Your Honor. Very well. Exhibit defense C is admitted. So this uh, obituary is, uh, I'm okay if, if she uh, hangs on to it. I'll ask her a few questions about it. Uh, so th the information in this obituary is that uh, Tammy Daybell passed away peacefully in her sleep. Do you see that? Yes. And, and where would you get that information? That was just from what Chad told us. And so the information uh, that wasn't from a doctor's report, it wasn't from the police, that was just from what Chad told you? Correct. Okay. We were led to believe that she was sick and had died in her sleep. All right. And then you talk about the family history here, and I think you've already mentioned that. We don't need to go through it. Um, but in her obituary talks about her interests in life, and I think you've talked about that as well. 
the uh, tell me about this uh, book publishing company that uh, Chad and Tammy were involved with. Yes, they had started a company together, Spring Creek Books. And, and what did that do? Uh, they published books that Chad wrote, and they also published books from other authors. And uh, so was that Chad's full-time job? Uh, sometimes, yes, but he was mostly on the side. He also, uh, during the, some of the time, would work at the cemetery during part of this time that they had the company. Okay. And at, that, at one time, did that company go bankrupt? Uh, yes, they did. They had an issue with some distribution of books with Deseret Book um, because of how bookstores work, that if they find that they aren't selling enough of them, they can actually send a whole bunch of inventory back. And since they were a small company, uh, it caused them to lose some money financially when they sent, you know, extra books back that they had already printed for them. So did your sister have to get a job other than Spring Book Company? Correct. When it went bankrupt? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. No. Um, and so the uh, did Chad get another job other than Spring Book Company? Um, I believe so. That that's you know when he worked for the cemetery. Okay. Do you know what year they moved to Rexburg, Idaho? Um, it would have been in. Um, oh my gosh. I don't remember the exact year. To uh, be honest. Around 2015, or is that too late or too early? I think that's too early. I'm sorry, I don't. I, I don't recall the exact year that was. Did you know how many years they lived in Rexburg before Tammy died? Um, at least three to four. Okay, so she died in 2019. So maybe they lived in Idaho three or four years. Yes. Okay. And. Um, so you felt like when Chad and Tammy lived in Utah uh, that you were close to them and saw them frequently. Correct. And when they moved to Idaho, uh, that, that it became harder to stay in touch. Correct. Did uh, did Chad talk to you about his his near death experiences? Uh, yes, he did. Did he write books about those? Yes, he did. Uh, have you read those books? Um, only one of them. Uh, how would you describe his books? Um, very spiritual in nature. Uh, were they well received? Did he make money off of them? Um, he did make some money off of them, yes. I don't know the exact amount. And so uh, the when did you first hear Chad talk about his near-death experiences? I actually don't recall it, a, a time for when that happened. Was it something before his book was published? Um, I believe he probably brought it up in conversation. Okay. We hold a lot of that stuff to be, you know, personal. So um, when people talk about their spiritual experiences, I, you know, I don't write that down. And but yet, Chad was not keeping his experiences 
personal. He was writing books and going to conferences. And Correct. So he was trying to make money off of his, uh, what he'd call a spiritual experience. Uh, I, that's a complicated answer. Yeah. So, so you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't write down your spiritual experiences and try to make money off it. But that's what Chad Daybell did. That's either a yes or no question for me. I. Okay. And so these conferences that Chad Daybell would go to, go to speak at, would, would you go to those? No, I did not. What were the, some of those conferences called, do you know? Um, I know some of them were called Preparing a People. And, and he would go and try to sell his books there? Yes. And he would go and talk to others about his spiritual experiences? Uh, I believe so. And you would talk to Chad and your sister about what he was doing? Uh, sometimes, but it didn't always come up in conversations. Was your sister uh, going to these conferences with him, or was he going alone? No, he went alone, mostly. Tammy didn't travel with him to those because she was working and raising children. So she had a job taking care of the kids, and Chad was out trying to sell books. Correct. And do you know where he would go to try to sell his books? Uh, you know, I didn't track him. What would Tammy or Chad tell you? That he just had conferences all over the place. He's been to Idaho, Utah, Arizona. I don't know what other states he went to. Okay. But those are the three that you remember. I do remember those. Right. And uh, did your sister uh, help publish these books? Yes, she did. And... And so that was after the Spring Book Company went bankrupt, they tried to uh, make it go again? Yeah, they still tried to write books, and they found other distributors to uh, you know, help out with distribution of their books or of other authors' books. Okay. And so did, did you ever hear uh, Chad and Tammy with you... <clears throat> Excuse me, did you ever hear Tammy say, Chad, uh, quit trying to sell books, go get a real job? Uh, no, I was never present for any of conversation like that. And, and so Tammy, uh, rather than say, go get a real job, she was supportive of his book-selling endeavors. I would think so, yes. In fact, you say she was a computer whiz. Would she help him publish these books? Uh, yes. And uh, was she in charge of the, the graphic design of the book? Yes. And so she was an instrumental part in getting these books from Chad's thoughts to publishing and selling. Uh, yeah. And you say you've read one of them. Well, one of the ones that you were referring to, but I've read some of his others, yes. Oh, okay. And how... And how would you describe the books that you've read? Uh, most of them are fictional about uh, what they feel like life could be like for uh, the second coming. It's almost like the same kind of a genre as a dystopian novel that a lot of teenagers read, but his was more geared towards um, religious aspects, but it was all fiction. Okay. And would he advertise... His books as fiction. 
I would believe so. As far as uh, some of them, some of them not. It just depends on which book. He wrote several. Were you aware that uh, one time he said, everything that I've read is true, or everything that I've written is true? Uh, I don't know about that statement. Okay. He never said that to you? Personally, I don't recall him ever saying that. Okay. Now, these... Uh, these books are uh, the content of them. Uh, it wasn't something that that uh, you were enamored with. Um, I'm a, an avid reader, and so I read lots of different things. I, you know, I would read some to support him, but I also teach school, and I don't have time to always read all the things that get published and put out there. Yeah. Did your sister Tammy, uh, w w did she believe what Chad was writing was true? Um, I, I don't know. Did, did she tell you that it was fiction? It's, it's really just made up stuff. Well, a lot of it was b based on what he probably felt would happen in the future, but it was still a fictional story with This, um, these, uh, I think you said you never went to any of these conferences or seminars that he would speak at? No. And Tammy, as far as you know, did not go to any as well. Well, I, I'm sure maybe she went to a couple of them, but for the most part, she didn't go to all of them. Now, you indicate that your sister was an empty nester at the time of her death. I never said that about my sister. Uh, oh, uh, you mentioned empty nester. Uh, that was Chad's statement to someone else? No, that was his statement to me about him and Lori okay. being an empty nester. Were, were Chad and Tammy empty nesters when Tammy died? Well, they still had a son that lived at home, and they had a son on a mission who would come home and, and live with him when he came home. They are older children, but they still had children around. And when you say mission, what are you talking about? Uh, in our Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a lot of our youth go out and serve a religious mission for two years. And Mark was on one to Africa. And the... Uh, so Chad and Tammy didn't have any minor children at the time of her passing. No. Okay. So all of her children were adults. Were adults, yes. When you talked about uh, Chad being part of a cemetery crew, uh, what is a sexton? What does that mean? They oversee everything that happens at a cemetery. Uh, the burials of everybody's loved ones. They make sure that the mortuaries and the vault companies, they make sure that the hole is dug and they put in the vault and they maintain the space so that it's, you know, the lawn is taken care of and, you know, all the general upkeep that goes with making something stay nice. And how long did Chad do that? Um, I don't remember the exact years, but he was there for quite some time. Did he do that as a, in high school? Did he start out doing that? Yeah, he did. He started out as a teenager. 
that he worked there with his siblings. It was a summer job. And then as an adult later, he was still interested in that. Correct. Because it was something he knew how to do, and it, you know, it paid well. Okay. Do you know if he took a job as a cemetery sexton in Idaho? No. Do you know why? Do I know why what? Do you know why he would not be looking for a job other than writing books? Um, I don't. Now, these visits that you had with your uh, sister that you've talked about, were those in the summer of 2019 before she died? Which visits are you referring to? Uh, June or July of 2019, a visit when your sister came and something was off with Chad. Yeah, that happened in June. They came and stayed with us. The June of 2019. Yes, they were. They had come down from Idaho to celebrate uh, Chad's mom's birthday. Um, his parents live in our same town, and they stayed with us for part of that visit. And then, was there another visit just a month later in July? Yes, in, in July. But we didn't know they were in town. They were. Uh, they had written well, not written a book, but they had published a book for another author that there was a movie premiere tied to that book, but I hadn't heard about it. It was for the fighting preacher, and they happened to be in town for that, um, and they just showed up at our door to give me my birthday present. And, and that was when Chad would not come in to visit with you? Correct. He sat in his car. And that was unusual? It was very unusual. Uh, and then the last time you... Or the next time you saw your sister was in October of 2019? Correct. And that was also in Utah? Yes. And Tammy looked healthy and fine? Yes, she did. Did she ever say to you, my husband has had a vision that I'm going to die? No, she never mentioned that to me at all. Would you be surprised to hear anything like that coming from your sister? Um, yeah, I would be surprised by that. As far as you know, Tammy had a full life, a healthy, happy person. Yeah. She was not <clears throat> making arrangements to die. <laughs> no. Yeah. And... Uh, And so when Chad told you she was coughing and died, uh, did you suspect something off? Um, I felt um, like, and I wasn't sure why, but I did. I felt like something had happened to her, and I didn't even know why. I had no reason to suspect Chad. I had no reason to suspect anything, but I do feel as a spiritual person some myself that my sister was telling me that something had happened to her did your sister tell you about being shot at uh yes they told us that it, some kid was pranking with a paintball gun because that's what they were told and so your visit with your sister tammy was uh after the the paintball no, shooting. No, it was before the paintball shooting that happened after. 
Ms. Williams, can you please make sure to wait until Mr. Archibald? Oh, okay, thank you. Okay, Ms. Williams. Sorry. When anyone's talking, please, I know it's difficult and stressful, but please wait until the question's completed. It just helps our court reporter to keep the record. All right, thank, thank you. you. Sorry. No, sorry about that. So, so your visit with your sister Tammy in October of 2019, your personal visit face-to-face -face was before the paintball incident? Correct. And so you must have talked to her on the phone then after the paintball incident? No, we didn't talk on the phone. We messaged. Okay. So the, in texting or? Yes. All right. So after uh, Chad remarried, uh, did you meet his his new wife? No. They uh, left for Hawaii shortly right, so after we found out. So I never I never met her. There was also a trip to Knott's Berry Farm. Correct. That they took uh, over Thanksgiving. Okay. So the end of November of 2019, uh, Chad and Lori and all of Chad's kids went to Knott's Berry Farm. Is that right? Uh, that was part of their trip. I believe they, you know, went to the beach and things too. Okay. And so, and how would you have learned about that? Uh, Chad told us. All right. Did you see photos of that event? No, I didn't. From Chad's kids? Did you hear from Chad's kids about uh, that? Yeah, they had told us about it. I think they actually, uh, a couple of their kids showed us pictures of them at the beach, but I didn't see anything else past that. Okay. And that was in late November of 2019? Yes. I'm sorry for the loss of your sister. Thank you. Ms. Blake, uh, redirect. Thank you, Your Honor. Just briefly. You were asked a lot about Tammy's employment and Chad's employment. Correct. When you talked to Chad in December of 2019, did he indicate to you how he and Lori were going to support themselves? Um. Well, I know that they had the life insurance money that they'd gotten from my sister and that they were going to, I think, take some time. Um, and he was probably going to write some more books. And in the past, Chad had relied on Tammy to contribute to the finances. Correct. Chad was not able to financially support the family by himself. No. And... He wasn't, he didn't indicate to you that he'd found a new profession to do that? No. So presumably he may have needed to rely on support from his new spouse? Correct. He uh, told us that she had lots of money. You were asked if you ever met Lori. Did Chad ever come around your family after he was remarried? No. In fact, he wouldn't even tell my parents he had gotten remarried. He made his daughter call my mom. And 
You were asked about um, Lori and Chad taking some of Chad's children to Knott's Berry Farm. Yes. And did you say they told you about that? Yes. And that was in late November? Yes. So just the next month was when Chad informed you there were no minor children? Correct. You were also asked about in the obituary how you got the information that she'd passed away peacefully in her sleep, and that came from Chad. Correct. You were asked if you heard about that from a doctor. Yes. Uh, and at that time, it was just Chad relaying that information to you? Yes. At some point, did you learn different information from a doctor or medical examiner? Yes. Did Chad ever tell you about having a vision that Tammy would die before she was 50? He never said that to us at all. And Chad and Lord, or excuse me, Chad and Tammy had five children together? Correct. Are all five of those children still alive? Yes. I have no further questions. All right. Thank you, Ms. Blake. So, Ms. William, that will conclude your testimony. Thank you for appearing. I'll have the escort assist you in exiting the witness box. Is this witness allowed to be released from any subpoena? I would request that she be released, Your Honor. All right. Any objection? No objection. Okay. The witness can be released then. And the state can call its next witness. The state's going to call Coulter Cannon. I guess I should say Deputy Coulter Cannon. Before we commence with testimony, then I'll just briefly inquire of uh, Deputy Cannon. Have you observed any of the trial testimony that's taken place in this case? No, I have not. Okay. Haven't read it, listened to it online or on the news or anywhere else? No, sir. Okay. Thank you for that response. Uh, as you're being questioned, please make verbal responses to any questions asked, and please avoid talking at the same time as any attorney questioning you so we can keep a clear record. Yes, sir. In mind, Ms. Rawlings, you can go ahead and inquire on direct. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, Deputy Cannon, would you please state your name and spell it for the record? Coulter Cannon, C-O-L-T-E-R-C-A-N-N-O-N. -N -N. And where are you currently employed? Fremont County. How long have you been employed with them? Nine years. What is your current title or position? I am a school resource officer right now. Do you also serve as a regular deputy? Yes, ma'am. Do you have any specialized training in order to be a peace officer? Yes, I do. What is that? I have graduated from the Post Academy with a basic certificate. I've also um, have received my intermediate certificate from the Idaho State Police Academy. 
I've also had numerous hours of school resource training as a basic and advanced um, officer there, and then trainings throughout the nine years of my career. Thank you. Do you recall if you were working on the night of October 9th, 2019? Yes, I was. And how long was your shift that night? Was it 12 hours? Uh, did you respond to calls that night? I did. And I'm sure you responded to more than one call that night, but I'd like to draw your attention to a specific call regarding the report of a suspicious individual. Okay. Where did you respond? It was approximately 200 north and 1900 east in Fremont County. Okay. And what was the nature of that report? It was a suspicious individual that had pointed a paintball gun at a lady. Were you patrolling, oh, excuse me, where were you patrolling when you received the call to go to that location? At that current time, I was in the Egan area of okay. Fremont County. Uh, do you know approximately how long it took you to respond to, to the location in the report? It was about six to seven minutes. Okay. And how did you respond to that call? Initially, I had my lights on uh, until I reached about 1900 north and 350 north, or 1900 east and 350 north, and then I shut them off. And why and did just, you shut them off? Just so the suspect would not see me coming. Okay. Um, who reported the incident? I believe there was two reporting parties. I believe the first one was Joseph Murray, and uh, the second one was Tammy Daybell. Okay. So there were two calls made to dispatch? I believe so, yes. And do you recall approximately when you arrived at the residence at 202 North, 1900 East? It was just before 9 p.m. Uh, what did you do when you arrived at the residence? Initially, I drove through the area looking for anybody in the um, area with matching the description that dispatch gave me. And then knocked on the front door and contacted the reporting party. Uh, were you able to locate a suspect? Not at that time, no. Did you receive a description of the suspect from dispatch? Yes. What was that? It was a male wearing all black with a black mask, ski mask. Okay. And were you the only deputy who responded to the call? No. Uh, do you recall who was at the residence when you arrived? Um, when I arrived on scene, I spoke with Tammy Daybell in the residence, but uh, Chad Daybell was also there and Garth Daybell. So how did you make contact with Tammy? I knocked on her front door. Okay. Um, did anyone else come to the front door? No. Did you speak with anyone else? No, I did not, other than Joseph Murray across the street. Okay. And you said, I think, that there were a couple other individuals in the home? Yes. And you were able to identify them? Yes, ma'am. And I'm sorry, who were, who were they? Chad Daybell and Garth Daybell. Okay. And how did Tammy seem when you were meeting with her? She was a little nervous, not extremely shook up or anything like that. Okay. She was not hysterical at that point? No, ma'am. What did you learn from speaking with her? Um, I learned that she was coming home from grocery shopping that night. Um, she had backed into the driveway. She was getting groceries out of her car, and when she looked up, there was a male standing at the back side of her vehicle um, wearing all black with a ski mask on that what looked to be a paintball gun in his hands. She asked him what he wanted, and he didn't say anything. And then he, she heard two pops, and she screamed for Chad. And then the, guy, the suspect 
ran around the north side of the property and then she went inside. Okay. Um, in addition to the description uh, regarding what the suspect was wearing, did she give any other uh, physical description of the individual? Yes, she stated at first that she thought it was her son because it had the same kind of figure build um, as her son Garth. Okay. And so was there a discrepancy in the height description that you noted in your reports? Yes, there was. Okay. How did Garth seem? Just like another day, just calm and quiet. Didn't seem upset? No. How did Chad seem? The same. He just was quiet standing there. And did you talk with either of them at that time? No, I did not. Just to Tammy? Yes. Now, previously I think you indicated there was another individual that had called dispatch um, and you identified who that was. Who was that? Joseph Murray. And did you speak with Mr. Murray that night? Very briefly, yes. Um, where where was he located? He was at his residence in the yard. He was just kitty corner from uh, the Daybell residence. And do you recall uh, what he said he was doing? He was cutting wood that night. Okay. Um, and when you arrived, did you uh, see someone chopping wood? Yes, ma'am. And that was, in fact, Mr. Murray? Yes, it was. Did he give you any other information regarding what he um, observed or heard? He just stated that he uh, heard Tammy scream, and then he had called 911. And do you know what Mr. Murray's relationship was to Tammy Daybell? It's her son-in-law. Now, I think you mentioned at the time you arrived at the residence, it was a little before 9 o'clock? Yes, ma'am. Do you recall what the ambient lighting was like outside the home at that time? It was, wasn't super dark. It was dusk. What else did you do as part of your investigation that night? Um, walked, like I said, I walked around the residence. Um, we looked for any like shell casings or anything like that. If it was a possible gun, did not locate anything though. Okay. Did you look anywhere else for shell casings? Not, not nothing. Nowhere else other than the media area where she located, like stated that the incident happened. Okay. And did you go across the street to any other residences? No, I did not. Why? Or why not? The, the lights in the house across the street were all off. I didn't want to wake anyone up. Um, and Tammy was pretty convinced it was a paintball gun, so. Okay. Later on, was there any attempt to locate bullets or shell casings? Yes, there was. Um, when did that additional search take place? It was January 3rd, 2020. Okay. What did you do to look for this evidence? I helped the FBI rake through the snow. Um, we used metal detectors and just tried to locate any shell casings in that immediate area again. And to the best of your knowledge, were any bullets or shells located in the area where Tammy Daybell had indicated this would have occurred? No, ma'am. Was there any indication or evidence of paint anywhere that she indicated this incident had occurred? No, ma'am. And again, what date did you respond to the Daybell residence for this report? It was October 9th of 2019. Your Honor, may I have just one minute? Yes. I don't have any additional questions. All right. Thank you, Ms. Rawlings. Cross-examination, Mr. Archibald. <laughs> Thank you.
So, Deputy Cannon, the, the night that you were out there on October 9th of 2019, you did a search of the property for uh, marks of paint or for casings on that night? I looked in the just general area. I didn't look around the whole entire property for that kind of stuff. So, if and it, the report to you was someone was standing right here and I heard a pop. So, that was that the focus of your area? Yes, sir. Uh, and, and you didn't find any uh, paintball marks? Not that I noticed, no. Uh, and uh, Tammy didn't have paint on her? No. Do sometimes those paintball guns, uh, they leave a splotch of paint? I don't do a whole lot of paintball, so I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, and you looked for bullet holes in a car? I didn't look for bullet holes anywhere. I, like I said, I looked just in the media area for okay. any shell casings or anything like that in the area. And so your search on October 9th, 2019, uh, led you to, to no physical evidence of something happening? Just her report. Okay. And then the law enforcement uh, didn't go out with the metal detectors until January 3rd of 2020. That was with the FBI, yes. So uh, November, December, so almost three months later is when that happened. Yes, sir. And on January 3rd of 2020 is when the the metal detectors were taken out there to look for casings or, or bullets. Yes, sir. And as far as you know, nothing was found. Not that I know of. All right. Thank you, sir. Any redirect? No, Your Honor. All right, thank you. I'll conclude your testimony then, Deputy Cannon. Thank you for appearing this morning. And I won't address the subpoena since he's with the uh, law enforcement. You indicated they may continue to stick around, so the state can call another witness at this time. Actually, Your Honor, can he be released? Uh, to, he needs to get back to Fremont County. Okay. Then we will allow him to be released unless there's an objection from the defense. No objection. Okay. Be released from any subpoena. Thank you. Your Honor, the next witness will be Helena Kaya Kamanu. Now that the uh, witness has been sworn, let me just ask you, Ms. Kaya Kamanu, have you reviewed any of the trial testimony in this case, listened to it, read it, or seen it otherwise? No. All right, thank you. When you are speaking, please talk directly into that microphone so we pick up your voice for our recording. Please also make verbal responses to any questions and try to avoid talking at the same time as anyone questioning you so we keep a clear record. With that in mind, Ms. Rawlings, you can inquire. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, 
Deputy Kaya Kamanu, would you please state your name and spell your name for the record? Helena Kaya Kamanu, H-E-L-E-N-A-K-A-A-I-A-K-A-M-A-N-U. Thank you. Where are you currently employed? City of St. Anthony Police Department. And what is your current title or position? Patrol officer. How long have you been employed with them? Just over one year. What um, or where, rather, was your previous employment? Fremont County Sheriff's Office. And uh, what did you do in working for Fremont County Sheriff's Office? I was a dispatcher, dispatcher supervisor. How long did you work as a dispatcher for the Fremont County Sheriff's Office? Approximately two and a half years. And do you have any specialized training in order to be a dispatcher? You go through an FTO program training how to dispatch, and then you're sent to a post academy, which certifies you with the state of Idaho. What are some of your duties as a dispatcher? We take administrative phone calls. We also take 911 calls and dispatch those 911 calls for police, fire, and EMS. Okay, so you mentioned as part of your duties that you received 911 calls, is that right? Yes. Do you know if those calls are recorded? Yes. And to the best of your knowledge, are they stored somewhere? Yes. Are you able to access those calls at a later date? Yes. Can you alter a call once it has been recorded and stored on the system? No. Were you working on October 9th, 2019? Yes. And do you recall receiving um, a couple calls that night about an attempted shooting with a paintball gun? Yes. Do you recall the name given by the first individual who placed the call? Yes. Who was that? Joseph Murray. And the um, second call that night, who, who was that? Tammy Daybell. Do you have a recollection of when the first call came in approximately? I want to say about 9.30, 9.45. It was close towards the end of my shift. Okay. And do you recall about how much later the second call came in? Maybe five minutes. Did you know Tamara Daybell? Not personally. I knew that she was the librarian at my children's school. Okay. Um, had you heard her name before that night? Just other than her being the librarian at my children's school, no. Okay. Um, and so at that point, did you hear her name in the context of any investigation? Not till later. Okay. So later on, did you hear um, her name in the context of an investigation? Yes. Regarding the phone calls from October 9th, do you know if those two calls were recorded? Yes, they were. And with regard to the first call, have you been able to review a copy of that recording prior to today? Yes. And was that recording, to the best of your knowledge, a true and accurate recording of the call that you took that day? Yes. Was it the full recording, to the best of your knowledge and recollection? <laughs> yes. If I started playing an audio recording, do you believe that you could recognize if it is your voice? Yes. And, Your Honor, I have uh, some jump drives with what's been marked as uh, States Exhibit 232A and 232B. Um, Defense Council, I have uh, shown them previously, but if they want to look at them. Um, 
And, Your Honor, I, I would like to be able to play uh, the initial part of the recording to be able to have her authenticate her voice and then move for its admission at that point, if that's possible. All right. Um, seems like a logical approach. Any objection to that from the defense? No, Your Honor. Okay. Go ahead and uh, begin the playing to authenticate, if you would. sure I have my volume up. All right. So, Your Honor, just for the record, I am about to play what's been uh, marked as State's Exhibit 232A. Okay. able to recognize your voice on that first part of that call? Yes. Um, is this the same recording or the start of the same recording that you had previously reviewed? Yes. And is it true and accurate to the best of your knowledge and recollection? Yes. Your Honor, I'd move for the admission of States Exhibit 232A and to be able to pu publish the full recording. Any objection? No, Your Honor. Very well. Exhibit 232A is admitted and may be published to the jury. And is the sound coming through? It seems like it's just coming through my computer. Is it coming through the rest of the speakers? It's just as loud as my computer is. Okay. Well, I want to move the microphone by that speaker. Other losses. What I just got home about 10 minutes ago was unloading her car, and she thinks the man, uh, but she's not on the central agency because they're wearing a ski mask, was, or came up to her with the table again, but they sort of ski on her, wasn't loaded, and uh, you know, she could see nobody came out of it. But uh, she kept asking what he was doing with the car, and then Suddenly, um, after she pulled out the husband's hair, he ran off with the phone. Uh, 
What's the address? Are you there? Hello? Are you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, now I can hear you. What's the address? It's 199 North, 1900 East, Rexbury, Idaho, 83440. Um, that's my address. She lives in the corner. I don't know what her address is. Okay, I need her address. What's her location? I think it's 201, I think is her address. 201 North, 1900 East? North, yep, yep. Do you, does she know which direction he ended up running? Uh, he headed, um, back behind their house. Okay, and did she give you a description of the clothing? Um, I didn't get one from her. I just only got, um, and what is your name? My name is Joseph Murray. Okay, is this a good look or a good phone number for you? Yep. Okay, I am sending a deputy out to your mother's home. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And after listening to that full recording, um, Deputy, is that a true and accurate recording of the full call from that night? Yes. And I think that we mentioned earlier that there was a second call that you received that night. Is that correct? Yes. And did you have a chance to review that second call prior to coming to court today? Yes. And from your review of that recording, was it true and accurate to the best of your knowledge? Yes. And was it a complete recording to the best of your recollection? Yes. And again, if I were uh, to begin playing that, do you think you would recognize your voice on that uh, that audio? Yes. Your Honor, I'd like to play the initial portion of what's been marked as State's Exhibit 232B. Any objection? No, Your Honor. All right, you can do so. Okay, um, at 202 North, 1900 East. 
sorry, this is a little awkward. And Debbie, did you recognize your voice on the beginning of that recording? Yes. And does that appear to be a true and accurate depiction of the other or the second 911 call you received on October 9th, 2019? Yes. Your Honor, I'd moved for I'd move for the admission of States Exhibit 232B and to be able to publish the full recording. Any objection? No, Your Honor. No objection. Exhibit 232B is now admitted and may be published in its entirety. Thank you. The corner with the blinking yellow light on Salem Highway. Is it a suspicious person? Yes. Okay, what was he wearing? He was all dressed in black and he had a ski mask on. And he said the blinking light now is where you saw him? No, no, I'm... When I, he's gone now, because um, I pulled up into our driveway, and he, I didn't step out of the back seat of my car, and suddenly he was there, and he had a paintball gun, and he was, okay. and like, he was going to shoot at me, and I kept asking him what he was doing, because I could tell it was a paintball thing, and then he just kept doing it, so I yelled for my husband, and then he took off running around the back of my house. Okay, give me just one minute, stay on the line with me. October 9, 2019, 21 hours, 50 minutes, 28 seconds. That was North 1900 East? Yes. October 9, 2019, 21 hours, 50 minutes, 43 seconds. In what uh, direction he was going? Um... He just he went behind my house and it's so dark out here and I just went in the house and got my husband and son and then they went out and looked and he was long gone by then. So he was on the north side of my house is where he went to get away. Okay. He didn't say anything or he just kept at like he was holding the gun like he was, you know, had a rifle and just shooting at me, so but nothing came out of the gun either, so I don't think it was loaded. Okay, and what is your name, ma'am? My name is Tammy Daybell. Okay, I will pass your information on to my deputies. Um, we actually just had a previous call about this individual, so they're out in the area looking now. Okay, yeah, I think it was my son-in-law who lives diagonal from us that called you guys already. <laughs> oh, I okay. just wanted to make sure it got reported, so. Um, let's see, and what's your son-in-law's name? Joseph Murray. Okay, yep, it was him. Okay. So, all right, I have a deputy that will be out at your home here shortly. Okay, thank you. Yep. And, Deputy, does that appear to be a true and accurate depiction of the full recording from the second call on October 9th, 2019? Yes. Your Honor, just one moment. Yes. Um, I can hand the exhibits to the deputy, and I don't have any other questions for this witness. All right, thank you, Ms. Rawlings. Thank you. Is there any cross-examination? I don't have any questions, thank you. All right, that'll conclude the testimony. Um, this witness then, is the witness allowed to be released? No objection. Yes, Your Honor. 
Okay, you can be released. Thank you for your testimony this morning. All right, the state can call its next witness. And, Your Honor, I may need just a brief recess. Okay. And we'll get the next witness here. Let, let me have a quick sidebar with counsel. And the state will next call Christine West. I believe they are bringing her in. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Blake. Now that the witness is sworn, I just have a few questions. Have you listened to any of the trial testimony, either in court here at one of the simulcast locations or listened to it online or anywhere else? No, I haven't. Okay. Thank you for that response. Please make verbal responses to any question you're asked and try to avoid talking at the same time as any attorney questioning you so we can keep a clear record. Talk right into that microphone. And with all that in mind, Ms. Blake, you can inquire on direct. Thank you, Your Honor. Would you please state your name and spell it for the record? Christina West, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-W-E-S-T. Were you employed with the Fremont County Sheriff's Office in 2019? Yes. What was your title or position? I was a dispatcher. As part of your duties as a dispatcher, do you receive 911 calls? Yes. Do you know if those calls are stored somewhere? Yes, they are. And I guess I should ask, are they recorded? Yes. And then they're stored somewhere? Yes. Are you able to access those calls once they're stored? Yes. Uh, can you alter a call after it has been recorded and stored? No. Do you recall if you were working on October 19th of 2019? Yes, I was. What shift were you working? The morning shift. Do you recall receiving a call about a deceased individual? I do. Who was that call regarding? Tammy Dayville. Had you heard Tammy's name prior to that date? No. If I were to play the start of an audio recording that's purported to be a copy of that 911 call, do you believe you would be able to recognize your voice on there? Yes, I would. And just one moment, Your Honor. Yes. I just wanted to make sure I had the right exhibit number. 
Your Honor, this has previously been provided to defense counsel, a copy of this call. Um, I would ask to be able to publish the first portion of it. It states Exhibit 233A. I would ask to be able to publish the first portion for verification purposes. All right. Any objection to doing that? No objection. Very well. You can begin to publish it to authenticate it. And hearing that, are you able to recognize your voice? Yes. And does that appear to be the start of the call from that day? Yes. And Your Honor, I would move for the admission of State's Exhibit 233A. Any objection? No, Your Honor. Exhibit 233A is admitted and can be published in its entirety. Thank you, Your Honor. And after hearing that call, is that the call in its entirety? Yes, it is. And was that a true and accurate depiction of the call that occurred that day? Yes, it is. I have no further questions, Your Honor. All right. Thank you, Ms. Blake. Any cross-examination? Ms. West, on this 911 call, uh, someone identifying themselves as Chad Daybell asks for a, an ambulance or a coroner? I believe he just asked for a coroner. And 
Do you typically send out an ambulance or just a coroner? Wait, I want to I want to go back. I don't think he asked for anything. He said that his house was on the corner. I think that's what it was. Oh. Sorry. I I apologize. No, he did not say anything about an ambulance or a coroner. He said that his house was on the corner. And I heard that and I thought he asked for a coroner. Okay. Yes. So, I, so if I misheard that, I'm sorry. He said his house is on the corner. He said his house was on the corner. He did not ask for an ambulance or a coroner. And so what did you send out there? Who did you send out there? I sent uh, my deputies who, that is our protocol, we initially just send the deputies um, at that time and then they advise if they need any other resources. Okay. So the, so your determination as a 911 dispatcher is not who to send out there. You, you just send out the police first. Yes, depending on the on the call, yes. And then it's the police who make the determination whether to bring an ambulance or the coroner? Yes. Okay. All right, thank you. Is there any redirect? Just briefly, Your Honor. Miss West, on that call, Chad Daybell, I believe, indicates she's clearly dead. Yes. She's described as frozen or stiff or cold. Yes. Is that information relayed over radio traffic to a deputy? Uh, yes, it normally is. However, my deputy was sitting in dispatch at the time, so it was just verbally relayed to her. And then the deputy may have determined whether or not to call out a coroner? Yes. There was no indication in the call that life-saving measures were being requested at that time? Exactly. That is why I did not dispatch out an ambulance. Thank you, Your Honor. No further questions. All right. Thank you, Ms. Blake. All right. I discussed... Uh, oh, let me go ahead and just indicate that'll conclude your testimony. Thank you for appearing this morning. And we would ask that Ms. West be excused at this time. Okay. Is there any objection to that? No objection. Okay. You can be excused, then. Thank you for coming, and the bailiff will help assist you out. We're going to go ahead and take our uh, morning recess at this time, and then we'll have a second recess before we conclude. And so we'll try to make this one not be too long, hopefully 15 minutes or so if we could. All right, please. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you. Okay, let's please have the jurors brought in.
All right, thank you, Mr. Bailiff. Please be seated. All right, we're back on the record. Case CR 22211624, State of Idaho versus Lori Noreen Vallow. We just concluded a morning break. We'd like to call or have the state call its next witness at this time. Who would that be? Your Honor, the state will call Officer Allie Greenhalgh. Now that the witness is sworn, let me just briefly inquire because we have these simulcast locations and the audio has been released each day in this case. Have you listened to or reviewed in any way any of the trial testimony that's taken place thus far in this case? I have not. Okay. Thank you for that response. When testifying, please make verbal responses to the questions and avoid talking at the same time as any attorney questioning you so we can keep a clear record. With that in mind, Ms. Blake, you can inquire on direct. Thank you, Your Honor. Would you please state your name and spell it for the record? Alyssa Greenhalgh, A-L-Y-S-S-A, and the last name is G-R-E-E-N-H-A-L-G-H. Where are you currently employed? The Rexburg Police Department. How long have you been employed with them? A little over two years. What is your current title or position? Patrol officer. Prior to working with Rexburg, did you hold another position as a law enforcement officer? I did. And where was that? That was at the Fremont County Sheriff's Office. Do you have any specialized training in order to be a peace officer? I do. I've been through the Post Academy and I hold an intermediate patrol certificate. Were you working in Fremont County for the Sheriff's Office on October 19th of 2019? Yes. Do you recall what shift you were working? I believe I was a day shift officer. How long had you been a police officer at that time? Approximately two years. Do you recall responding to the report of an unattended death? Yes. Where did you respond? I responded to 202 North 1900 East in Salem. Is that in Fremont County, Idaho? It is. Did you learn who the decedent was? Yes. Who was that? Tamara Daybell. Had you heard her name before? I had not. 
When you arrived on scene, who was present? Um, Chad Daybell and Garth Daybell were both present. Did you make any observations when you first arrived? Yes. What were those? Chad and Garth both met me in the living room. Um, Chad seemed very distraught and was crying. Garth was a little bit more reserved and stayed pretty quiet. When you respond, and I guess to back up, what is an unattended death? An unattended death is basically somebody contacts police when they find either a stranger or usually their loved one or family member that they know is deceased. And is it generally if someone is not under a physician's care? That's correct. Had you responded to other death scenes before? Yes. Do you recall approximately how many? Approximately five to ten. When you are dispatched out uh, to an unattended death, are you conducting an investigation? Yes. Are you looking for specific things as a law enforcement officer? Yes. What are some of the things that you're looking for? As a first responder officer, we're looking for obvious signs of foul play, like disturbances at the scene, broken furniture, things pushed around, or obvious injuries on the body, like gunshot wounds, stab wounds, things like that. When you first responded into the residence, did you notice any signs of a disturbance? I did not. Did you notice any signs of a break-in? No. At some point, did you observe the body of Tammy Daybell? Yes. Who told you where she was located? Chad did. Did he lead you to the location of the body? Yes, he did. And where was her body located? Her body was in their bedroom on the bed. Were you advised whether or not her body had been moved prior to your arrival? Yes, I was told that it had been moved. And who told you that? Chad. When you respond out, do you obtain or request information from the individuals on scene? I do. Did you do that in this case? Yes, I did. What did Chad tell you regarding the death of his wife? He had told me she had woken up at approximately midnight with a coughing fit. She had vomited in the bedroom and then had gone into the bathroom down the hallway and had continued vomiting in the bathroom. Um, he went into the bathroom to help her clean up and then had put her back to bed. They had both gone back to sleep. And then he said at about 5.40 a.m. he had felt the covers of the bed pull off of him and had looked over and noticed that Tammy had fallen off the bed and he had told her to wake up and when she didn't respond he got up and turned the light on and saw that she had partially fallen off the bed and wasn't responsive. And when you say partially fallen off the bed, did he give a description of how she was partially off the bed, which part of her body? Yes, he described that her feet and legs had gotten caught in the sheets, so her feet were still up on the mattress, but her torso had fallen off the bed and her head was touching the floor. And then he indicated that he and his son had moved the body back onto the bed? That's correct. Had they also covered the body up with blankets? Yes. And when you arrived on scene, is that the position you found her body in? Yes. 
When you arrived, was it apparent that Tammy was in fact deceased? Yes. Do you also request information from family members regarding a decedent's health? I do. Did you do that in this case? Yes. And did you request that information from Chad? Yes. What did he tell you? He told me that Tammy didn't like to see the doctor. Um, she had had kind of a cold. She had fallen in the driveway approximately a month prior and had received care for that. But other than that, she didn't have any major medical issues or injuries that he had told me about. Do you recall if Chad said anything to you about Tammy having shaking fits? No. Did he indicate anything to you about uh, Tammy going through menopause? I believe so, yes. And do you recall if he told you that affected how she slept? Uh, not that I recall. Do you recall if he said anything to you about Tammy having fainting spells? No, he did not. Do you recall if he said anything about her blood pressure? I believe he did tell me that she had issues with her blood pressure. At some point while you were there, did anyone else respond to the scene? Yes. Who was that? The deputy coroner and the coroner both responded. And at some point, was a mortician called as well? Yes. As part of your job duties, do you make a determination whether or not to have an autopsy performed? No. As part of your investigation that day, did you reach out to some detectives? I did. Did you indicate to those detectives what you had noticed on scene? Yes, I did. At that time, had you made any observations of any suspicious activity? No. And were you basing part of your investigation in part on what Chad Daybell was relaying to you? Yes. Did Garth Daybell ever contradict his father while you were there? No, he did not. Did Garth Daybell offer any information to you? No. Did you end up taking photographs of the scene? Yes, I did. Your Honor, I'm going to ask that the witness be shown State's Exhibit 295A through L. These photos have previously been provided to Defense Counsel. And I have the official copy for the court as well. And I believe uh, Your Honor has been provided with a courtesy copy as well. I have, thank you. And Officer Greenalt, if you will look through those photos. Do those appear to be an accurate depiction of what you saw that day? Yes. And did you, in fact, take those photos? I did. I would move for the admission of State's Exhibit 295A through L. Any objection? 
Your Honor, due to the graphic nature of the photos, they may be more prejudicial than probative, so I'd lodge that objection. All right. Do you want to make a response to that, Ms. Blake? Your Honor, I would indicate that these are the deputy or the officers indicated these are an accurate depiction of what she observed that day, and I think pursuant to case law, they are allowed to be shown. All right. The court's considered the objection and also looking at whether under Rule 403 they should be excluded as being unnecessarily prejudicial. I do not find that they would be because they accurately depict the scene that the officer observed, and for that reason, the objection is overruled, so Exhibits 295A through L are admitted. And, Your Honor, I would ask for permission to publish those to the jury. You can publish them, Ms. Blake. And, Your Honor, similar to the graphic photos of the children, the court took special precautions not to show those to the public. I don't know if the court wants to consider that as well. Mr. Archibald, I did consider that. I was able to see these photos in advance just over the break and determine that I'll allow them to be displayed on the projector, even though they are graphic in nature. I'm trying to make sure everyone else has the correct view. Officer Greenalch, what are we seeing in this photo? This is a photo taken from the entry of the bedroom of Tammy's body on the bed. And that is, in fact, Tammy on the bed? Yes. And that is how you first located her? Yes. And in this next photo, what are we seeing there on the floor? So there is a mat on the floor with a towel and then some clothing items from the closet. At any point, did you observe anyone do anything with that towel? Not that I recall. And what is this photo depicting? This is another photo of Tammy's body on the bed. While you were present, did you get closer to observe Tammy's body? I did. And when you did, did you make specific observations? Yes. 
What were some of those observations? Um, she had some pink, reddish foam on her mouth that was running down her cheek. And is that what we're seeing in this photo here? It is. In the prior deaths you'd responded to, had you ever seen pink foam on someone's mouth? No. Had, do you know if you'd ever responded to a death where the cause was determined to be asphyxiation? Not to my knowledge. And is that similar to what we're seeing in this photo as well? Yes. Was this just a zoomed in picture of that? Yes. While you were on scene before anyone else arrived, did you do anything to manipulate or move Tammy's body? The only thing I did was check a pulse on her arm, but I didn't move her body in any way. After others had arrived on scene, was Tammy's body moved? Yes. Is that done to assist with an assessment? Yes. Were you present while that was being done? I was. And is this a start of moving Tammy's body? Yes. Did you make any additional observations as you started this process? I did. And what were those? As we moved the blanket down so that more of her body was visible, I did notice lividity on her back and legs. And in this photo, are we again seeing that pink foam? Yes. show States Exhibit 295J. In this photo, is this again a, a closer view of that pink foam? Yes. And at that time, was that one of the main observations that you had uh, made with regard to Tammy's body? It was. Did you observe any bruising on Tammy's body? Yes, she did have a small bruise on her arm. And just by looking at that, were you able to determine how old or when that bruise would have uh, been inflicted? No, I was not. Did you end up uh, accompanying Tammy's body to the mortuary? Yes. Did you also take a photograph there? I did. And I'm going to show States Exhibit 295L. Is that an accurate depiction of the photo you took? Yes. And in this photo had uh, the foam or the uh, pink substance been removed from her face? Yes, it had. I have no further questions at this time, Your Honor. All right. Thank you, Ms. Blake. Any cross-examination? 
So, Officer, uh, what time were you summoned to the scene? Approximately 6 a.m. And the report that Chad Daybell gave you was that at 5.40 a.m. is when he felt the covers pull off and she fell off the bed. That's correct. Okay. And so do you know what time the 911 call was? I don't. But the time that uh, you were notified to go there was about 6 a.m.? Correct. And, uh, and so in talking to Chad about, uh, did you ask him uh, why the 20-minute difference between falling off the bed and the officer arriving or when he called 911? I didn't specifically ask him about that. And so you arrived at about 6 a.m.? Yes. And it was apparent to you that she was already deceased? Yes. And that the uh, Chad and Garth indicated they had picked the body up off the ground and put it back on the bed? Yes. Now, I don't know if this is part of your training and experience, but uh, bodies don't move if they're if they're already deceased, right? Correct. So for her to fall off the bed, she would have been alive at that point, right? I assume so. Okay. So sometime between 5.40 a.m. And, and 6 a.m. Is, is that when you believe that she passed away? I don't know that I'm qualified to make that determination. Okay. But just by the time you got there, uh, there was no point in calling for an ambulance? Correct. By the time you got there, there was no life-saving measure that could have been had? Correct. Do you know if CPR had been performed on Tammy between 5.40 a.m. and 6 a.m.? To my knowledge, it was not performed. All right. Thank you, officer. Any redirect? Yes, Your Honor. Thank you. <clears throat> officer Greenouch, you were asked about a time of death. Uh, for Tammy, is that part of what you do with your job duties? No. Are you qualified to determine the time of death? No. Have you taken any medical training in order to be able to do that? No. You were asked about a dead person falling off the bed and Chad saying that happened at about 5.40 a.m.? Correct. correct? Did Tammy, based on what observations you were able to make, did it appear Tammy had only been dead for 20 or 30 minutes when you arrived? No, it appeared she had been dead much longer. And why did it appear that way? 
And, and I'll object if this witness isn't qualified to make time of death, and we're just guessing. I will sustain that. I think it's speculative. Based on your observations, was Tammy's body cold to the touch? Yes. Was, had, did you notice signs of lividity? Yes. Were you able to determine or could you tell if there were signs of rigor mortis setting in? I could not determine that. One moment, Your Honor. I have no further questions, Your Honor. All right, thank you, Ms. Blake. Uh, Ms. Greenhalgh, that'll conclude your testimony then. Uh, can the witness be excused or released from subpoena? Your Honor, the state would request you be released. Any objection? No objection. Okay, thanks again for your testimony. The bailiff will assist you in exiting the courtroom, and the state, you can call your next witness. The state will call Cammie Wilmore. Now that this witness has been sworn before we begin examination, let me just inquire, have you reviewed any of the trial testimony in this case, either by listening in at any remote broadcast location or reading it on the Internet or listening into it on the Internet? I have not. Okay. Thank you for your response. As you're being questioned, please make verbal responses to any question asked so that we keep a clear record and try to avoid speaking at the same time as anyone questioning you. With that in mind, Ms. Blake, you can commence with your direct examination. Thank you, Your Honor. Would you please state your name and spell it for the record? Cammie, C-A-M-M-Y, Wilmore, W-I-L-L-M-O-R-E. Where are you currently employed? I am currently a Fremont County Advanced DMT, and also I am an administrative assistant at our seminary, the CES. How long have you been an EMT? Uh, at this point, about 14 years. And as an EMT, are you trained in life-saving measures? Yes. And are you trained in responding to emergency medical situations? Yes. Prior to being employed as an EMT, did you, have, did you work in the medical field? Yes. I was a medical assistant for about 40 years. Were you the deputy coroner for Fremont County in 2019? Yes. Do you recall when you were asked or when you became the deputy coroner? Um, I think it was Mar February, March is when I started in 2019. 
What are some of the duties of a deputy coroner? Um, I will go on calls when the coroner is not available or close to, I live in St. Anthony, so I would respond to ones in that area where she's up living farther away, um, and to go, go in and assess the body, um, pronounce time of death, try to gather information um, of why the person was deceased, medical history, that kind of thing. And as a deputy coroner, do you respond out to unattended deaths? Yes. And what is an unattended death? Um, that's where there hasn't been, they haven't been under, like on hospice or currently under a doctor's care where somebody was not with the, them when they passed away. They were found deceased. Had you responded out to um, scenes where someone ended up dying or was already dead as an EMT? Yes. And did you end up responding out to the report of an unattended death on October 19th of 2019? Yes, I did. Prior to responding out to that death, do you know approximately how many deaths you had responded out to in your capacity as a deputy coroner? I was fairly new, so I think about five. I had gone on a few training ones, but that, my own was about five. And out of those deaths uh, that you've responded to as a deputy coroner, had you ever responded to a death which was determined to be caused by asphyxiation? No. When you responded out to the unattended death on October 19th of 2019, did you learn who the decedent was? Yes. And who was that? Tammy Daybell. Had you heard her name before? I had not. When you arrived on scene, who else was present? Um, Chad Daybell and officer from St. Anthony Alley is how I knew her. Uh, and did you end up making any observations regarding Chad Daybell? Um, yes, when I walked in, he was distressed, distraught, appropriately so, just saying that he found his wife dead, and I, I noticed that he was distraught. Did you make any observations regarding Garth Daybell? Not at that time. He wasn't in the room when I first came in. Do you gather information from individuals on scene as part of looking into the unattended death? Yes. Did you do that in this case? Yes. Did you ask Chad Daybell about the circumstances surrounding the death of his wife? Yes, I did. What did he tell you? He told me that about midnight that Tammy was had gotten sick, coughing and gotten sick and gone to the bathroom and was vomiting. And he went in there with her and then came back to bed. She was okay, came back to bed, said she was okay, and then they had um, gone to bed. And he proceeded to tell me that she, that she was in menopause and that she liked to sleep with her leg outside of the bed. And um, he felt like that's what she had been doing that night, that her leg had been outside of the bed. And he said that... Um, he had, they'd fallen asleep, and then later on, he felt like he might have moved or rolled in the bed, and he heard her fall out of the bed. And um, he got up, and she was 
out of the bed with her head and body down and a, like one leg twisted in the blankets and she was cold and not breathing at that time. And when you were asked to respond out, was there any indication as to whether or not an ambulance was being requested? I was called, I was, did not think there was an ambulance coming because I was called by our coroner. She got the call and then she called me and said, hey, can you go? You're 10 miles away. You can get there quicker than I can. And she said she would be coming. And it was described to you as uh, Tammy was already deceased? Yes, yes. I was a that's what I thought I was going to was a death, yes. Did Chad indicate to you whether or not Tammy's body had been moved prior to your arrival? Yes, he said that he'd gotten Garth, and that's um, the first time I had heard that. He'd gotten him to come in, and they had put her back on the bed. So she was not on the floor when I got there. And did he describe how she'd fallen out of bed, if it was her whole body or part of it? The the leg thing, I think that was what he was trying to say to me about her leg hanging out because he said that just one, like, I recall like a leg was twisted in the blanket so that she was, I pictured like hanging kind of with her head and part of her body on the ground. But I'm not positive that that's what he meant. But he didn't indicate the whole body had fallen out from your recollection. Yeah, I, yes, I don't recall that. Did you end up actually going in to observe the body? Yes. And did you, in fact, observe her body that day? Yes, I did. Your Honor, I'm going to ask to publish part of State's Exhibit 20, uh, excuse me, 295 again. You may do so. It's been admitted. And for the court and counsel's benefit, I'm publishing 295C. Does that appear to be what you observed when you first arrived? As much as I can remember, yes. As part of your job as a deputy coroner, do you end up examining or looking at the body? Yes, we do. Do you recall if you made any specific observations regarding Tammy's body? Yes, the first thing that has stuck with me the whole time was when I came in, she had this foam coming out of her mouth. Um, quite a bit of foam, and I remember thinking that was odd. And um, she then touch, touching her and feeling her that she was obviously had been deceased for a little while because she was very cold and she had the rigor set, set in. So the, that was my first impression. And when you talk about rigor, could you describe a little bit what you mean by that? Um, the stiffness of the body after a bit of time, different parts become st stiff, and she, her legs were out, and so th that showed to me that it had been a little while because they weren't just hanging limp like a, when you first pass away. Different parts of the body, and depending on temperature of the room and, and the condition of the person, there's different time frames, so can't really say exactly how long, but she was, had been, in le in a f I would say, a few hours probably. And do you recall approximately when you arrived on scene? Um, I got the call at 6 a.m., I remember, so I figured it was, you know, maybe 35 minutes later, 6.35, 6.40, something like that. And you would have estimated her to have been dead uh, before 6 a.m.? Yes, yes. 
And would you believe she would have been dead before 5.30 a.m.? I would. After those initial observations, did you observe anything else about the body that caught your attention? Um, I was looking because you kind of want to look. She was 49, so I was like, this is... This is unusual because she's not that old. So I was kind of looking for things like on her neck or um, bruising, scratches, those kind of things. And I um, observed just some bruising on a bicep. I think it was her right arm and forearm. But they didn't look new. They looked more like an older bruise. I didn't notice anything weird that way. I mean, maybe her color was normal for being deceased. And with the bruises, did you do any additional testing to determine when those would have been inflicted? No, not at that time. We'd, I did not do anything. Did you notice anything regarding uh, Tammy's face? Besides the foam? No. And when you talk about the foam, does that appear to be what you observed that day? Yeah, and that's the... They get like a pink frothy foam, like a bleeding. That's what I assumed that to be like some blood. Um, there's some, I don't Excuse know me, if you. Miss Blake, for the record, what's the, what exhibit was just published? Oh, I apologize, Your Honor. It is 295E. Okay, thank you. And you were saying uh, with the pink foam? Yeah, I, like, in my knowledge, I was thinking of things like congestive heart failure, something that I know that maybe could cause that with the pink frothing. And so my mind kind of went to that, and I was thinking that she's looking for things like swelling and things that would go with that, but I didn't see any other signs with that. And did that pink foam, had you ever been to a death scene where you had seen that before? I had not. Did it cause you some concern? It did. It caused me enough concern that... I got my phone and I actually looked up poisoning and I I looked up foam from a dead person. I looked up poisoning just because I thought it was weird and I had not seen that before. And with regard to her face, I asked if you'd noticed anything else. At any point, did you see any kind of an injury to her head that would be consistent with hitting a nightstand? I did not. At some point, did anyone else arrive on scene? Yes. Then Brenda Dye, our coroner, came on scene. And I was new, like I've said, and so I kind of deferred to her when she came in on scene. And I guess I should ask, prior to her arrival, did you ask Chad about Tammy's health? Yes, I did. Um, I was trying to get a history what, had she been ill? Has anything happened? And he said that she'd had um, low blood pressure, hypotension, and she'd had a few little bits of feeling dizzy, lightheaded. And that was all he told me. Um, he, he did say for the last month she acted like she hadn't felt well, maybe like a little clumsy. And so I began asking about like medications because having worked in the medical field, I kind of can take a medication and relate it to an illness. And so I was asking about that, and she said that she didn't really go to a doctor much and that on and I noticed right away on her nightstand there was like a homeopathic nat natural remedy book and so I was like oh does she 
do this kind of thing for her health? And he said, yeah, she, she did the homeopathic type stuff. And so, again, my mind kind of went, oh, she maybe had something bad and didn't go to a doctor. Did you end up looking at medications, uh, whether herbal or over-the-counter or yes. prescription? Yes, that's part of our job. And I asked to see medications, and they took me out into another room, like the kitchen off the living room, kitchen area was a cupboard, and I looked, and there was uh, herbs and vitamins and natural-type remedies in there. No medications that I could um, see to correspond with a medical illness that I was familiar with. Did Chad indicate with regard to the fainting, or I think you said that she would kind of feel dizzy? Lightheaded. Lightheaded. Um, Did he indicate if she'd seen a doctor for that? He said no. Like, I asked him that specifically. Like, have she go, does she go to the doctor for any of that? And he said no, she didn't like to go to a doctor, to doctors. And with regard to the uh, indication of the low blood pressure, did he say whether or not that had been medically diagnosed? No. And I... Yeah, no. And when you're on scene at these unattended deaths, do you have the benefit of reviewing medical charts or medical reports? No. Are you generally relying on information provided from family members with regard to health? Yes. And is that, in fact, what you did in this case? Yes. And that information was provided by Chad Daybell? Yes. And you said when uh, the coroner arrived on scene, you were still present? Yes. At some point, was a further examination done of Tammy's body on scene? Yes, I think Brenda did a little bit more. I, well, there's two of us, and so I think I had gone out to look at medications. She was still in there talking. Now, now she's questioning him and talking and getting different, you know, her report from it. And when you say him, was that Chad Daybell? That, yeah, that was Chad Daybell. And you said when uh, Brenda arrived on scene, you deferred to her and she took over? Yes. As part of your job, do you end up determining whether or not an autopsy should be conducted? As a deputy coroner, I would if I was the only one on that I was, the coroner wasn't there. But as the coroner was there, it was, that would not be my responsibility. Were you involved in a conversation regarding whether or not to conduct an autopsy? Yes. And uh, at the conclusion, was an autopsy requested at that time? No. Do you know if Chad Daybell requested to have an autopsy performed? He did not want one. That was asked. As we were discussing it, he was asked, and he said no. Based on the observations you made at that time and the information provided to you, did you have concerns or questions regarding Tammy's death? I did, and the the, the two factors were her age and this foam. Could there be a medical explanation, as far as you know, to explain the foam outside of some kind of foul play? At that time, I didn't know of any. I have since looked. <laughs> I looked up stuff just because I wanted to know. And um, there were some things that were mentioned, you know, that I've read about that there could be, I don't know if exactly like what I saw, but some foam. At the time you responded out, do you also rely on external information if it's provided to you or if you know it? Yes. Had you ever heard 
the name J.J. Vallow? I had not. Had you ever heard the name Tylee Ryan? No. Had you heard the name Alex Cox? No. Had you heard the name Lori Vallow? I had not. Have you since heard of those names associated with Chad Daybell? Yes. If you had had any of that information at the time, do you I'll, believe... I'll object, Your Honor. We're speculating here. Sustained. One moment, Your Honor. I have no further questions. All right. Thank you, Ms. Blake. Cross-examination? I don't have any questions. Thank you. All right. Thank you, uh, Ms. Fulmar. That will conclude your testimony then for this trial. Is this witness to be released from any subpoena? The state would request you be released, Your Honor. Any objection? No objection. Okay. That will conclude your appearance at court then. The bailiff will assist you in leaving the courtroom. Thank you for your testimony today. You can call your next witness if you'd like, Ms. Blake. And, Your Honor, I'm just looking at the time. I'm happy to call the next witness and get started, but I would anticipate she'll be a little longer than when I think the court had intended to break. Okay. Why don't we uh, go for 10 or 15 minutes, and then we'll take that uh, late morning break. And the state will call Brenda Dye. Before we get started with testimony, let me just inquire of the witness. Have you reviewed in any way any of the trial testimony in this case um, by either attending any of the simulcast locations or watching it online or listening to it or reading about it in any way? No. Okay. Thank you for that response. As your question, please talk directly into that microphone, make verbal responses to any answers, and try to avoid talking at the same time as the attorney so we keep the record clear and with that in mind Ms. Blake you can inquire on your direct examination thank you would you please state your name and spell your last name for the record Brenda Dye last name D-Y-E where are you currently employed I'm currently employed um, in Fremont County as the county coroner and Fremont County EMS and talking about your employment as an EMS how long have you been employed as an EMT or an EMS? I've been an EMT for five years and advanced EMT for 20 years. As part of your EMT training, are you trained in life-saving techniques? Yes, I am. 
Are you also trained in responding to emergency medical situations? Yes. And you indicated that you're also employed as the deputy, or excuse me, as the coroner for Fremont County? Yes. Is that an elected position? Yes. Do you recall when you took office? I was elected in 2018. I took office um, January 2019. When you took office as a coroner, did you end up going to any training? Yes. What was that? I did a week-long coroner school in Las Vegas, Nevada. I also did a spring training in Boise here in Ada County. Had you been employed anywhere previously as a coroner? No. What are some of your duties as a coroner? As a coroner, I respond to all unattended deaths. Um, I make sure the bodies get to the correct facility, the funeral home. Um, I conduct investigations. Um, and I'm the one that uh, certifies the cause of death and signs off on the death certificate. And when you say unattended death, what do you mean by that? Somebody who is not directly under a doctor's care. And as a coroner, do you respond out to all unattended deaths in Fremont County? Yes, I do. And if I'm not available, I do have um, a couple of deputy coroners that help me out. Do you recall responding to a, a report of an unattended death on the morning of October 19th, 2019? Yes. Do you recall approximately when you responded? It was just before 6 a.m., I believe, or, or thereafter, shortly thereafter. And do you, when you say, uh, Around 6 a.m. Is that when the call was reported or the death was reported? It was reported approximately 5.45 in the morning. And prior to you responding out, uh, did anyone else respond? Yes. Who was that? I called my deputy coroner, um, Cammie Wilmore, to respond. She was closer than I was. Uh, when dispatch called me, the uh, reporting party was very upset and distraught, so I had my deputy coroner go so she could beat me there on scene. And also there was an officer on scene. And you had requested specifically the deputy coroner respond out based on the description of the decedent's husband? Yes. And is it possible that your arrival was closer to 7 a.m.? I'll object, Your Honor, leading. It is leading. Sustain. To be clear, when you arrived on scene, your deputy coroner was already there? Yes. And if she had been there at 6.30, you would have arrived after that? I'll object, Your Honor, leading. Overruled. Yes. When you arrived on scene, did you make any initial observations regarding Chad Daybell? Yes. And what were those observations? Uh, he was clearly distraught, upset, 
crying that his wife was deceased. As part of your job as a coroner, are you also looking at the scene? Yes. Are you gathering information from individuals on scene? Yes. When you first entered into the residence, were there any observations of the scene that caused you concern? No. At some point, were you led to where Tammy's body was? Yes. Do you recall who told you where her body was located? I believe it was my deputy coroner, uh, Wilmore. And prior to going back to look at Tammy's body, did you have any discussions with anyone? Yes. And who was that? I had a discussion with Deputy Coroner Wilmore and Officer Greenhall in the kitchen of the house. And do you know when you arrived if Tammy's body had been moved? Yes. Do you know who had moved her body? Yes, Chad and Garth. How did you learn that they had moved her body? They stated that they had picked her up off the floor and put her back in bed. And when you say they, did both Chad and Garth tell you that? Yes. Did Chad provide any additional information regarding how Tammy ended up on the floor? Yes. What did he tell you? He said he felt her move off the bed, fall off the bed. And when he woke up, he touched her and she was cold to the touch. Um, he then yelled for his son, Garth, whose room was across the hall. And the both of them picked her up off the floor and put her back in bed. Do you recall if he indicated approximately when that would have been? Before 6 a.m. that morning. Did he tell you anything else surrounding the circumstances of Tammy's death? Yes, he stated the night before she had a coughing fit and threw up and her, him and Garth saw her throw up in the toilet. She flushed it. He helped, he as in Chad helped her back to bed and she stated that she was okay and he then went back to sleep. And outside of Chad having moved the body, do you know if her body had been moved by the officer, the deputy coroner at that time? No. And had it been moved? No. I asked it. I think I asked a compound question, so I was just trying okay. to be clear. Um, Your Honor, I would ask to be able to publish states, some of state's exhibit of 295, the first one being 295A. You can publish it. And looking at that photo, is that an accurate depiction of what you saw when you first arrived? Yes. And after gathering the information from Chad, did you make observations of Tammy's body yourself? Yes. And what were some of the observations that you ended up making? 
just by looking at her walking through the door, she had some blood-tinged sputum coming from her mouth, and she was covered in blankets. Your Honor, I would next publish States 295E. Okay. When you talk about the blood-tinged sputum, is that what we're seeing in this photo here? Yes. Do you recall at the time you responded out to this, uh, to the death of Tammy Daybell, how many deaths you'd responded out to as a deputy coroner? Approximately 20. To the best of your knowledge, were any of those deaths determined to be death by asphyxiation? No. Had you responded out to um, scenes as an EMT in which you had seen something similar to this uh, sputum? Yes. So you had seen this before? Yes. Had you seen it very many times previous to this? No. And with regard to that sputum, was anything done? Your Honor, this is State's Exhibit 295B. Okay. Yes, that towel sitting next to the bed on that mat. Um, it's a kitchen hand towel. And Chad had been wiping her face with that towel. And did Chad tell you that? Yes. Did you also do anything with that towel? I did. I wiped it away to see if it stopped coming out. And when I wiped it, then there was still blood tinge sputum after I wiped. Did you make other observations with regard to Tammy's body? After, after I questioned Chad, he left the room and uh, Deputy Coroner Wilmore and Officer Greenhall helped me. We uncovered the body, took the blankets off, and um, did our investigation. We did notice a bru bruise on her right arm, I believe. And when we rolled her, she had lividity um, in her back and backside. And when you talk about lividity, what do you mean by that? Lividity is the blood pooling at the lowest point of the body once the heart stops beating and the blood stops circulating. And Your Honor, I would uh, publish 295G. Very well. And when you talk about removing the blankets from the body, is this an accurate depiction of what you would have observed? Yes. And you indicated the lividity lividity you observed would have been on the back side? Yes. And I would publish 295F. You may. I don't know if you can see it that well on the big screen. You may be able to see it better on your screen. When you talk about the bruising, can you see that in this photo at all? A little bit on the right arm. 
And were you able to make a determination regarding when you believed those bruises would have been inflicted? Not an exact determination. Uh, we thought yeah, they I'll were... object, Your Honor, to foundation. I'll sustain that. I think there needs to be additional foundation for that testimony. I will ask it this way. Did you do any kind of assessment on scene to determine the uh, how old those bruises may have been? Yes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll object, Your Honor. I don't think she's qualified to make that determination. The foundation you laid when uh, related to her experience as an EMT over the years stated that I didn't hear any additional information that would uh, indicate she's qualified to give that opinion. So if it is there, Ms. Blake, you could inquire with further foundation. As part of your investigation while you were on scene, did you ask Chad for more information regarding Tammy's health? Yes. And did he, in fact, provide that? Yes. What did he tell you? He said that she had been feeling really off lately, like she wasn't in her body, that she had had some syncopal episodes, which is fainting. Uh, one specific time was at the temple as she was kneeling at the altar. When she went to stand up, she uh, passed out on the floor. He also stated she had very low blood pressure. So I asked if she had seen a doctor for that or been treated for that. He said that she didn't go to doctors very often. She tried to treat everything naturally with oils and natural supplements. Uh, he said that she had fallen uh, a few times by the syncopal episodes. Do you recall if he told you anything about Tammy having shaking fits? Yes. When I observed the uh, blood tinge, the pink sputum coming from her mouth, I started to question what that could be from. Um, I asked if she had any seizure-like activity when she had the syncopal episodes. Uh, he did say that when she had those episodes, she, her legs would shake and she did have some convulsions. And did he tell you about the shaking fits prior to you mentioning seizures? No. So he continued to provide additional information uh, based on things you would mention? Yes. Do you recall if he mentioned anything regarding Tammy going through menopause? Yes, he stated that she liked to sleep on the edge of the bed with her legs outside of the covers because she was having hot flashes. And when he talked to you about her getting sick in the night, did he indicate who had gone in the bathroom with her? He did say that him and Garth both witnessed her throwing up. 
And talking about the lividity, do you recall if you observed it anywhere else on her body besides her back? It was only in her backside, so which indicates she was on her back at the time of her death. Did Chad tell you anything regarding how Tammy had been feeling uh, in the month before her death? Yes, that she was just feeling very off, behind, slower. Uh, and the fainting spells and she did have a fall outside and hurt her wrist she did get an x-ray on that uh, just to make sure it wasn't broken and stated that it was just a sprain and the doctor had given her tramadol and when I looked for the tramadol he stated that she had taken it all which um, there was no pill bottle found on scene. Do you recall him also uh, making a statement that she feels like she's outside her body? Yes. And did he tell you that she'd indicated that to him, him being Chad? Yes. When you respond to the unattended deaths, do you have the benefit of having the decedent's medical records in front of you? I don't. And when you respond to the scene, is it ultimately up to you to determine a cause of death? Yes. And do you also, are you tasked with determining the manner of death at that time? Yes. Were you relying, actually I will back up, Judge, if I can uh, publish 295G again? You may. In looking at this photo, do you notice anything with regard to the mattress? It's a little off the box springs. Do you um, recall if Chad told you anything as to why it was off the box springs? No. And at this point in time, did you move the mattress yourself? No. This would have been an accurate depiction of how the mattress was? Yes. When you were doing your observation of Tammy, did you, actually I'm going to publish uh, 295A, please. During your observations and exam of Tammy, did you notice any head injuries? No. Did you notice any cuts or bruising consistent with her hitting her head on a nightstand? No. Is, as the coroner, is it ultimately up to you to determine whether or not an autopsy should be conducted? Yes, I consult with uh, our detectives, and sometimes I consult with the receiving facility, the mortician, the funeral directors. And did you do that in this case? Yes, I did. Based on what you knew in your observations, did any was anything suspicious to you regarding this scene at the time? No.
Did you find anything suspicious as to the description of Tammy's body falling out of bed? Yes. What was that? I I asked Chad how she could fall out of bed if she was already deceased and how her legs were still wrapped in the covers and the sheets. That's what he stated. His response was that it was because her sheet, her legs were wrapped in the sheet? No. Um, he had told me that her legs were wrapped in the sheet, that her head had fallen off the side of the bed, and her left side of the body was hanging off. And I asked how that could happen if she was already deceased. Did Chad provide a response or an answer? He did. He said he must have pulled the top sheet when he rolled over in his sleep, releasing her because she liked to sleep on the edge of the bed. And when you responded, did you notice any signs of rigor mortis? Yes. And what is rigor mortis? After the body has been dead for approximately two to, it's two to six hours, then rigor mortis starts to set in and the body just becomes stiff. And were you able to estimate or determine a time of death? I estimated the time of death between 12.30 a.m. and 2 o'clock a.m. Um, based on the rigor mortis and the lividity and the temperature of her body. The abdomen was cold to the touch, which is the last place that stays warm, and it was cold to the touch when I arrived. Would you, based on your estimation of the time of death, do you think it's probable that Tammy didn't die until after 5.30 a.m.? No. At the time that you're making a determination whether or not to have an autopsy conducted, are you considering the information available to you? Yes. And your observations on scene? Yes. And ultimately in this case, you determined to not have an autopsy conducted? Is that correct? correct? After consulting with the detective over the phone and Officer Greenhall and Deputy Coroner Wilmore. Did Chad request an autopsy? No. Did he make any indication to you regarding the autopsy? No. Do you issue a death certificate? Or, excuse me, do you issue death certificates? I sign off on them. So you sign off on them to be submitted the to the state? Yes, on the cause of death, yes. Did you, in fact, do that on a death certificate for Tamara Daybell? Yes. Do you recall what you indicated the cause of death to be? Cause was pulmonary edema due to syncopal episodes with seizure-like activity um, and the manner natural. And again, that was based uh, in, excuse me, let me back up. Was that based in large part on information Chad Daybell provided you? Yes, and also a daughter gave me some medical history background on her. And do you know if an autopsy was ultimately performed on Tamara Daybell? Yes, it was. Do you know if there was an exhumation? Yes. Did you, in fact, attend the exhumation? Yes. 
Did you also attend the autopsy? Yes. Do you know who conducted the autopsy? A medical examiner from the Utah uh, morgue. And you didn't, uh, <clears throat> and you did attend that? Yes. And Your Honor, I'm just looking at the time. Uh, I'm not sure when the court wanted to break. I think it would be a good point if you're still uh, working through direct. I still have some additional questions, so. Okay, let's go ahead and do that. We'll take a, a second break here. That'll be the last break of the day. We do have uh, something for the jurors, so uh, this will probably be 40 minutes or so. All right, please. Thank you. Please be seated. All right, if we can have the witness brought back and also the jurors brought in, please. Thank you, Mr. Bailiff. Please be seated. Okay, we're back on the record on CR 221-1624, State of Idaho versus Lori Noreen Vallow. Ms. Blake is continuing direct examination of the witness, Brenda Dye. I'll remind the witness you're still under oath for your testimony. Ms. Blake, if you'd like to continue to inquire at this time, you may. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, Ms. Dye, I was going to back up just a little bit. Uh, when you responded out, um, you said, and I, I just want to clarify with you, did you mention syncopal episodes or did Chad? 
Um, <clears throat> Chad mentioned it, the temple instance. And again, what are syncopal episodes? Fainting. And did Chad use the term fainting to describe it? Yes. And then the medical terminology that you know would be syncopal? Yes. But he did not talk about the shaking fits until you mentioned seizure-like activity? Yes, correct. And, Your Honor, I'm going to ask to publish 295J. It's previously admitted. Very well. You may publish it. And in this photo, we can see that pink sputum that you'd talked about. Um, and again, just kind of backing up, you said that it had seemed odd to you that someone deceased would have fallen out of the bed, and you discussed that with Chad, correct? Yes. Based on his description to you, um, again, which part of the body did he describe as having fallen out of bed? Her head and upper left side of her body. And when you look at this photo and you can see some stuff draining down her face, would that be consistent with someone being on their back? Yes. If she had actually fallen out of bed, uh, would you have expected to see that dripping somewhere else or the flow going a different direction? Uh, yes. It is. It is a little bit to the left, um, just depending on how her head was tilted is what direction it would flow. Is what direction it would flow. Yes. So depending on how she'd fallen out of bed, that would control the flow. Yes. Um, but would this flow be consistent with someone laying on their back as well? It looks to be more t to the left than running down mid-chin. And again, on that photo, that was the condition that the sputum and the flow was in at the time you arrived? Yes. And you had, you did indicate Chad said he had been wiping it. Do you know if he'd wiped it prior to your arrival? Yes, because when I grabbed the towel, it had residue on it, the blood. So you're unaware if this was the condition that Chad first found her in? As far as oh, where the blood in the sputum yes. was. Yes, unaware of that. And we talked about that you attended an autopsy that was performed at the office of the Utah Medical Examiner or yeah. performed by them. Yes. Were you able to be present for the duration of the autopsy? Yes. Does the medical examiner do a much more extensive uh, exam of the body than you were able to do on scene? Yes, much more extensive. Do you know if the medical examiner had more information uh, from external sources than you had at the time you responded? Yes. And I'll object, Your Honor, that the only way she can answer that is through hearsay. If you give me just a second. At this point, I'll overrule that objection. And I think you'd already answered that. Uh, the answer was yes. Yes. <clears throat> Do you know what the findings of the medical examiner were? Yes. What did they find the manner of death to be? Um, asphyxiation, suffocation. And was that the cause or the manner? That was the cause. Do you know what they determined the manner to be? The manner was homicide. So they determined the manner to be homicide? 
Yes. And the cause to be asphyxiation? Yes. Do you have any reason to refute the findings of that autopsy? No. And at the time you responded out on October 19th, had you ever heard the name Lori Vallow? No. Had you heard the name Tylee Ryan? No. Had you heard the name J.J. Vallow? No. Had you heard the name Alex Cox? No. Had you heard any connection that those individuals may have to Chad Daybell? No. I'll object, Your Honor. This, this witness does not know that. My question was if she was aware of any connection they had to Chad Daybell. Yeah, that's overruled. When you are conducting your assessment or evaluation at an unattended death, do you consider external information? Yes. If it's available to you? Yes. If you had had the information available to the medical examiner, do you believe that that would have changed your opinion at the time? I'll object, Your Honor. Speculation. I'll sustain that objection. If I can have just a moment. You may. Ms. Dye, based on the information that you learned from the medical examiner and attending the autopsy, do you intend to modify the death certificate in this case? Yes. And what would you be changing the death certificate for Tamara Daybell to reflect? <clears throat> Cause of death, asphyxiation, the manner of death, homicide. I have no further questions, Your Honor. All right, thank you, Ms. Blake. Cross-examination. So have you changed the uh, death certificate yet for Tamara Daybell? No. Is, is there a, a reason why? Pending investigation or So, so it's still being investigated? Pending trial. Uh, so, so what's going to change here at trial for the death certificate? Are you waiting to, to see... If it's true? No, it will be changed. Okay. So there's no reason to change the death certificate after the trial. You're just waiting to see what happens. When I spoke with um, Vital Statistics, they told me that it's pending until, until I change it. Okay. So, um, and so a lot of things have changed for you uh, and your opinion since October 19th of 2019. Is that fair to say? Yes. And did the time of death change? No. You had initially estimated time of death uh, between 12.30 a.m. and 2.30 a.m.? Is that right? Yes. And and so did that change? No. Okay. And you uh, initially estimated cause of death to be uh, natural. Is that right? Not cause. The cause is, is oh, 
initially? Or yes, initially. Initially, the cause was pulmonary edema. It, and what does that mean? It means um, the lungs, edema in the lungs, which causes the blood tinge sputum to come out. Okay. So from what you observed on October 19th, 2019, uh, that, that has changed now due to someone else's opinion, right? After the autopsy, yes, it's changed. Okay. And did that also change uh, because of what detectives were telling you? Or was that strictly a change uh, because of the medical opinion? Because of the medical examiner, who is a doctor, who performed the autopsy. Okay. So uh, you were considering doing an autopsy on October 19th, is that right? We had discussed it, yes. And you had discussed it uh, with your deputy and the officer on, on scene, is that right? Correct, yes. And did you also discuss it with Chad Daybell? Yes, I did mention it to him that there may be an autopsy. And did what was his response? He didn't deem it necessary at that time. I told him if we felt it necessary, we would do an autopsy. How yeah. about uh, Chad Daybell's, Tamara Daybell's uh, children? Were they there also? Yes. And did they want an autopsy conducted? Emma, the daughter, was very adamant about not having an autopsy done. And uh, did that make sense to you as to why she was adamant about that? Um, yes. Okay. And what about another child? Um, Garth was also on scene. He did not voice his opinion. Okay. So Chad uh, and Emma, Chad and Tammy's daughter, uh, asked you, please don't do an autopsy? Um, they didn't deem it necessary. Emma was against it because of the extent of, she didn't want that done to her mom. Okay. And, and so it, is it fair to say that you uh, believed Chad's version of events of what happened to Tammy Daybell? On scene at that time, yes, after discussing with Deputy Coroner and Officer Greenhall. Chad Daybell convinced you <clears throat> and your deputy and the officer that nothing bad happened. Is that right? Concluding our investigation, that's what we ultimately decided. Okay. All right, thank you. I don't have anything else. <clears throat> All right, thank you, Mr. Archibald. Any redirect? No further questions, Your Honor. Thank you. Okay. Can the witness be released from subpoena? We would request that she be released. Any objection? All right, that'll conclude your testimony. Thank you. The yes, uh, bailiff will help escort you out of the courtroom. <clears throat> State can call its next witness. Your Honor, the state will be calling Spencer Cook. Okay.
All right. Now that the witness has been sworn, let me just inquire. Have you viewed or listened to or read any of the trial testimony in this case since the trial started? No, I have not. All right. Thank you for that. I'll remind you to please make verbal responses to any questions that you're asked so we can keep a clear record and try to avoid speaking at the same time as anyone questioning you as well. With that in mind, Ms. Rawlings, if you'd like to inquire on direct, you may. Thank you, Your Honor. Good afternoon. Would you please state your name and spell your name for the record? Yes, my name is Spencer Cook, S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-O-O-K. And where are you currently employed? I am employed for the Sugar Salem School District. What are some of your job duties with the Sugar Salem School District? I am the technology director for the school district, so I'm in charge of all the computers, servers, and website, email, student information system. Great. I think you mentioned as part of your duties that you help maintain the school district email? Yes, I do. And what is the email system that the school district uses? Uh, we use Gmail or Google uh, Suite. Are the emails stored somewhere to the best of your knowledge? Uh, yes, they are stored in two different places, uh, the mailbox that the user has access to and then an archives uh, email that uh, only my team has access to. Okay. So that's how emails are stored in, in that system? It is stored in Google Cloud, yes. Okay. Were you working for the school district in April 2021? Yes, I was. Were you contacted by someone with the Fremont County Sheriff's Office regarding the email for Tammy Daybell? Uh, yes, I was. And to your knowledge, was Tammy Daybell an employee of the Sugar Salem School District? She was a employee at the Sugar Salem School District. All right. And um, <clears throat> do you know what she did? She was the librarian at the elementary school and also the computer lab teacher. Okay. And so what type of email did Tammy have with the school district? Uh, all employees are given a school district email, and uh, it has uh, access year-round, and she it was an employee account, basically. Okay. Um, what time period did law enforcement request that you look at for Tammy's email? Uh, it was June 29th. And do you recall how many emails Tammy received for the week of June 29th? 2019? Uh, yeah, she received 36 emails. Um, do you know if of those 36 emails, did Tammy save any emails? Uh, there were several that were deleted off of her account. I think there were six uh, emails that were saved. Okay. And you mentioned that the employees of the school district have access to their email all year, all year round? Correct. And are they expected to check in over the summer? Yeah, we uh, expect or, or try to uh, have emails checked uh, on a weekly basis during the summer time. Okay. How active would you say Tammy was with the school, school email over the summer? I would say she's active. And how computer literate was Tammy to your knowledge? Uh, very uh, literate in what she did. She was very self-sufficient. Uh, as the computer teacher, I provided resources and help to her uh, for different uh, classes that she was teaching uh, but most of the things that she did she did on her own and so uh, after I gave her her initial uh, direction she took it on her own and uh, was able to do things with very minimal help. 
Were you able to find any emails from a Charles Vallow to a Tammy's work email? Uh, yes, there was one email that was received. How did you search for that email? Uh, well, in the archive system, I found the email there when we searched uh, for under her account. Uh, it was not in her inbox. It was in her deleted items. Okay. Um, how would a Gmail user block an email address? Uh, it, if you open up the email, there's uh, three dots in the top right, and you would click on block email. Okay. Um, do you know whether that happened with the Charles Vallow email address? Yes, it was. How did you find out that Tammy's work email had blocked Charles Vallow's email address? Uh, inside of the account, you can go to the blocked email address list, and that was the only email that was listed as a blocked and do you recall the date that that email was sent? I believe it was June 29th. In the year? 2019. Thank you. And how many emails did Charles send to Tammy's work email? Uh, just the one email. Okay. And I think you mentioned, uh, were there any other email addresses that had been blocked from Tammy's email? There were no other emails that were blocked. And if there was an email, it would have been rejected. Okay. I don't believe I have any other questions, Your Honor. All right. Thank you, Ms. Rawlings. Any cross-examination? I don't, I don't have any questions. Okay. That will conclude your testimony then, Mr. Cook. Thank you. You can be excused. Is he under subpoena, and can he be released if so? Yes, we would ask that he be released. Any objection? No objection. Okay. You can be released from your subpoena. Thank you for your testimony. State can call its next witness. The state will be calling Kelsey Harris. And your honor, Spencer Ramble for the state with this witness. Okay, thank you. Witnesses sworn, let me just inquire, have you observed, read, or listened to any of this trial testimony in this case since the case started? No, I have not. All right, thank you for that. Uh, while you're being questioned, please speak into the microphone, use verbal responses to any questions, and try to avoid speaking at the same time as anyone questioning you so we keep a clear record. With that in mind, Mr. Rammel, if you'd like to inquire, you may. Thank you, Your Honor. Good afternoon, Ms. Harris. Can I have you state your full name, spell your last name for the record, please? Kelsey Marie Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. Ms. Harris, did you know Tammy Daybell? Yes. And how did you know her? She was a student um, in my clogging class in Sugar City. Um, she also worked at the school. I work in the kitchen, and she was the librarian. Ms. Harris, so 
We're in Ada County, so can you explain to the jurors, please, where Sugar City is located in relation to Rexburg and St. Anthony? So Sugar City is um, in the middle between Rexburg and Fremont County, just right in the middle there. And do you recall the time frame of when Tammy was a student in that class? She was, it was end of August, early September, and then until the time of her death. Okay. Middle of October. Do you recall the year? Uh, 2019. And how long was the duration of a single class? It was a 60-minute class. Okay, and I think you've testified to this, but what kind of class was it? Uh, a clogging, clogging dance class. Okay. So forgive my ignorance if it's okay. So Ms. Harris, I think I have an idea. So clogging, I guess I'll ask it this way. River dance, closer to river dance or closer to singing in the rain? Um, it is closer to river dance. Okay, I think that clarifies in my mind. Thank you. So fair to describe it as fast-paced cardio? Yes. Okay. And as the instructor of that class, are you in front of the class watching and giving instruction? Yes, I am. And in your observations, did Tammy ever fall behind from the rest of the group? No. Did she ever sit out or quit early uh, due to exhaustion? No. Her pace and participation was consistent with the rest of the group? Yes, it was. Okay, and Ms. Harris, you're not a medical doctor, correct? Correct. But from your observations of her participation, did it appear to you that Tammy had any physical ailments that impacted her ability to participate in your clogging class? No. Ms. Harris, are you aware when Tammy Daybell died? Yes. Was she attending your class in the weeks leading up to her death? Yes. I'm going to draw your attention specifically to the classes before her death. Anything that stood out or changed in those classes and the way that she participated compared to dates that were earlier? No. Sarah, did you ever attend any other physical fitness classes with Tammy? Yes, I did one class. And what class was that? It was a high fitness class. And do you recall the date of that class? Um, I would say late September. Same year, 2019? Same year, yes. And were you the instructor of that class? No, I was not. And where was that class located? That was located in St. Anthony, okay. Fremont County. You, okay, and did you sit next to and work out next to Ms. Dable in that class? Yes. Can you describe that class? to the jury, please. Um, that class is very high intensity. We're doing squats, we're jumping, jacks, burpees, a lot of up and down. Fair to say it's a different level of cardio than your clogging class? Yes. And Tammy, from your observations, was able to keep up in that class? Yes. In that higher intensity class, did you see any limitations in her ability to participate? No. And Ms. Harris, from your perspective and your observations in both your clogging class and this high fitness class, did Tammy seem to be fit and in good health to you? Yes. Judge, that's all I have. All right, thank you, Mr. Rammel. 
any cross-examination? No, Your Honor. All right. Ms. Harris, that will conclude your testimony for today. Thank you for appearing. The bailiff will help uh, escort you from the courtroom. If she's under subpoena, can she be released? Yes, we would request that she be released. All right. From the defense, any objection to the release of the witness? No objection. Okay. Thank you. State can call its next witness. The state will be calling Shanna Miller. Before we get started with testimony, let me just inquire, Ms. Miller, have you observed any of the trial testimony, either read it or heard it or observed it in any of the viewing locations since the trial started? No, Your Honor. Okay, thank you. Um, while you're being questioned, please make verbal responses and try to avoid talking at the same time as anyone questioning you so we keep a clear record. Also talk directly into that microphone if you would. All right. And with that, Ms. Rawlings, you can conduct your direct examination. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, would you please state your name and spell it for the record? Shanna Miller, S-H-A-N-N-A-M-I-L-L-E-R. Thank you. Uh, where were you previously employed? Uh, Sugar Salem School District. And did you know Tammy Daybell? Yes. How did you know her? I was on the committee that interviewed Tammy and then hired her. I also worked with her. She was hired as our computer specialist and our librarian. Did you know her outside of work? Um, yes. I also took a high fitness class with her and her daughter uh, twice a week. And in the weeks prior to Tammy's death, how did she appear to you? Uh, very healthy. She was in great shape. Did you have occasion to notice uh, Tammy's weight or appearance? Um, she looked healthy. She looked, like I said, in shape. She looked happy. So there weren't any noticeable changes to her? No. Okay. Uh, did you have an opportunity to observe her participation at that high fitness class? Yes. And can you um, tell us a little bit more about what that uh, class involves, what kinds of things you do? Sure. Um, it's a Zumba. It was a Zumba class with some high fit um, activities involved. So we did, there were Latin, there was Latin, dance, Latin dancing, um, planks, uh, we would plank, we would do push-ups, burpees, um, lots of squats, jumping jacks. It's very, it was very um, highly aerobic. Okay, thank you. How would you describe her participation and overall fitness in that class? Um, great. At the time, yeah, 
Uh, she and her daughter Emma had been coming for about a year. And at first, you know, like everybody, it's a high fitness class, and so you kind of have to get in shape. But during the course of that time, she was she was in great shape. And this class so extended, you mentioned, for a year. Can you just give us a time frame for that? Yes. Yeah, so um, let's see. I believe she did start coming the fall that she first got employed or not long after that. Um, and then she continued going throughout that year. And then I think that summer also, she was the summer previous to that fall, she was training with Emma to do a, a 5K. Okay. And so that would have been what you're saying. It sounds like maybe fall 2018 through fall 2019. Yes, that is correct. And on the day before Tammy died, did you have an opportunity to interact with her? Um, yes, she. Well, so she was the computer, right? The computer teacher, and um, also the librarian. Uh, that day, she did lunch count. When the kids, when you take your kids to lunch, she would mark them off as they came through the lunch line. Um, and so I did see her that day. Okay. And how did she appear to you? Um, as always, she was happy, jovial. Um, as the kids would come through the lunch line, she would smile at them, pay them compliments. Uh, did you observe her coughing? No. Did she complain about being sick? No. And you're aware that the next day that she passed away, correct? Yes. Was there anything else about the timing of her death that you found odd? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Friday I see her at school. Things are great. Um, and the next morning I hear that she's passed. Was there anything about the funeral details that struck you? Yes. What was that? Um, the I, fact... I'm going to object to relevance. <clears throat> Overruled. Um, we all wanted to honor Tammy. And I'm um, objecting to, the, to we. This is about her experience, not everyone else. Uh, I will sustain that. If you could just rephrase the question, Ms. Rawlings, right. please. She and, want, okay. Sorry. The people in that community. Sorry, I don't know how else to say it, but well, they wanted to honor hold her. Hold on. I've sustained an objection, so we just need to have a new question now. <laughs> so we're talking about your personal observations and what struck you and what, what you observed. So okay. what did you, what struck you about the funeral details? What did you observe? Okay. Um, there was going to be no funeral. Okay. And my the people at my school wanted to honor her. And the people in that community wanted to honor her. And so my administrator um, talked to Chad and said we would uh, like I'll to object, do something. I'll okay, object, that, Your Honor, to hearsay. That is uh, sustained as a hearsay objection, so I'm sorry you can't say what someone okay, else told you. Okay, sorry. Uh, so anyway, my principal planned it. He printed off the programs. He basically put it together. Okay. And now, are you aware, this was, I think you're talking about, in the Sugar Salem area? Yes. So this was a memorial service for Tammy in that area? Yes. And, I'm sorry, who helped plan that and put the programs together? Um, my school administrator. Okay. And then do you know if there was a funeral anywhere else? Uh, there was one in Utah, okay. in their hometown. Okay. I don't believe I have any other questions, Your Honor. All right. Thank, thank you, Ms. Rawlings. Any cross-examination? No, Your Honor. Okay. Ms. Miller, that will conclude your testimony. Thank you for appearing today. May she be uh, released from any subpoena? Yes, Your Honor. May she be released? Yes. Any uh, objection to that? No, Your Honor. Okay. 
So you're released from your right. subpoena. The bailiff will help you leave the courtroom. And, Your Honor, the state would request a sidebar with the court. Very well. Okay, we're back on the record after that sidebar. We were discussing scheduling. Um, the state went through a lot of witnesses in a short amount of time, and given the time frame we had set out for today, uh, we are going to go ahead and conclude for the day at this time. And so we'll be back Monday at 8.30 for continuing trial while we break for the weekend. I do want to, again, please admonish the jury that uh, you're not allowed to talk about the case with each other, with anyone else. Please don't do anything to investigate the case, to look the case up, try to avoid any media coverage of the case or uh, any other conduct that could impair your ability to be fair and impartial in this case. The court and the parties appreciate your continued attendance and adherence to that admonishment. With that, then we will break for the weekend, and we will be back at 8.30 on Monday. All right, please.